Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Jim Kawakami. Jim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very glad to have on a frequent guest the TK Show. Somebody I do interrupt during his game broadcast frequently by mistake but i just winced and i did it again last week when i didn't know that he was doing it the playoffs uh the wild card round and i texted him during a pretty good game uh, a little seattle toronto incredible postseason game it's dave fleming everybody Giants broadcaster man of many jobs thanks for coming on the show dave man of too many jobs hi tim Many, 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 many jobs, but uh, we'll we'll get through a lot of them. But let's start with the news: the, the Giants, you know, pretty quickly replaced Scott Harris with a gentleman. Scott uh, Scott Harris leaves for Detroit, uh, and uh, the Farhan Zaidi hires quickly Pete Patella, uh, I believe is pronounced the name. The assistant general manager of the Houston Astros as the Giants GM. Dave, do you 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 know you know a lot of people? You'd cover a lot of games. Do you know this guy at all? And and, and what's your sense about this kind of move? I don't know him personally. I don't. I mean, I've heard lots of nice things about him over the years. I mean, he's still only 33 and he's been a part of their their machine for many years now. So he got a really young start, which, of course, that's that's sports and that's baseball now, man. It's just a young person's game in a lot of ways. Um but I mean, I think it was pretty obvious uh, what Farhan emphasized. Number one, he had met him and interviewed him when Scott was hired initially. So I think Pete made a really good impression back then. I think Farhan obviously kept him in mind uh, all these uh, years later. And I think the player development piece of it and the Astros, it's a very underrated part of what you know, the Astros have been embroiled in so much stuff over the last few years, whether it was uh, the sign stealing stuff or the Roberto Osuna thing. And, you know, even above and beyond that, in some ways, the tanking, you know, the, the, the Astros were sort of the roadmap for the quote, tanking to just bottom out and pile up talent and then go. And it worked, you know, they pulled it off better than anybody probably ever has. But I think that has obscured in a lot of ways the last, say, five years after they got good, after they uh, assembled their championship core. Uh, what's happened with the Astros? They have been a developmental machine. And, you know, from their shortstop, who is from the University of Maine, who's turned into a young 
all-star to all these pitchers who are going to pitch in the playoffs coming up starting uh you and i are talking on tuesday starting uh later tonight uh so many of them were low profile signings not big dollar not high draft pick and i think they are the envy in a lot of ways the dodgers maybe too but I would say the Astros just as much the envy of the industry in taking, I, I don't want to say undervalued players, but players who were acquired at a low cost and turning them into big leaguers. And I think that clearly is what Farhan was focused on with this, this guy who we'll get to know better here soon. But I think that's where the Giants are trying to get better as an organization. And, you know, they've obviously made some great acquisitions. We know that and maybe not quite at that same level. Uh, you know, Mike Shrebsky, there are others, uh, Lamont Wade Jr. Um, they probably didn't have great seasons this season, but this is not a terrible setup. And, and you know, we know what Farhan did with the Dodgers. Um, do you, again, I guess this is going to bring up the question. I didn't want to get into it this early, but I, I mean, this certainly doesn't preclude them acquiring players in another way. But do you think the emphasis will still lean heavily towards that and not in the big trade that everybody wants or the big signing? Or can you do both at the same time? I think, you know, if you look at the Dodgers as sort of a model, because that's where Farhan came from. I mean, Farhan was there for five years before that. We know he was with Oakland. But if you use that as sort of a model of the frame of reference for how Farhan likes to think, it took, they got criticized for a while um, for not making the big move, not making the big deal. They wouldn't trade Corey Seager when people were pressuring him to do it. They wouldn't trade Julio Rios when people were pressuring him to do it. It took till they got to the point where they were winning 100 games where they felt like, okay, now we can be aggressive and go all in and, and make more of those sort of splash moves. So my guess is, I mean, I think the Giants want to, add to the roster this offseason. And I think in a lot of ways, and maybe you and I will get into this, the easiest way to do it is with an impactful move or two, as opposed to, I just don't know if they have the room to make six or seven move. Maybe they will, um, but it's an interesting offseason for the Giants kind of in a different way. But my guess is, is that player development still is the avenue to getting this team to a different level consistently. They got there last year. They didn't stay there. And then once they get there, then you'll see the more aggressive, big name type moves consistently. I think we'll see one or two of those this offseason. Uh, but I think they're still not quite in their own evaluation at the point where it makes sense to just you know, sort of splash move their way all in. I don't think they believe that that's the bridge to get where they need to go. What did you make of this dip in the payroll that everyone noticed? Uh, you win 107 and you just did, there's a dip. I mean, it's, it's, you know, no one can deny that it happened. There are reasons for it, I'm sure. But in my mind, it was, okay, if they do it like that, they can't ever talk about dollars being a problem in the next few years. Like you saved what 30 million or whatever it was last season or this, you know, this one that just ended. You can't just say, oh, we'd have got Brandon Crawford at 18 and we can't do anything else at shortstop. That 18 can't count against whatever you're going to do in the future. And the same thing with a, a lot of other players. You just got to spend money to make up for that 30. I know it's not, doesn't exactly work like that, but do you see that? Like this is a profitable franchise. We know this for many, many years. 
can they get it to 200, 220, 240? And do you think the fan base deserves something like that? I do. I, the answer to both is yes. I mean, I think that I think the Giants can and I think they should. Uh, the, the Giants need to be a team that flexes its financial muscle. I mean, that's part of being a consistent championship team in any sport is if that's an advantage for you, use that as an advantage and it should be an advantage for the Giants. I think the issue the last year or two has been more the way this team was built starting in 19, where the roster was so full and really going into this last year, I know now it kind of looks, I don't know, you can nitpick a bunch of those individual decisions, but there really was not a lot of room to maneuver once they decided, which I, it was hard for me to blame them. They won 107 yeah, games, yeah. but once they decided we're going to bring this team back, essentially, there just wasn't a lot of maneuverability to who are you going to dump? Who are you going to move on? You know, they they signed Rodon and they moved on from Gosman and maybe, you know, maybe look as great as Rodon was, maybe you could could make a pretty good argument that that was a mistake, that not bringing Gosman back and just committing to him for the next four or five years, Gosman wanted to come back. Um, you could have locked him in at that number as opposed to, it was basically the same number with Rodon, but now Rodon is going to opt out and likely is not going to come back. Not a sure thing, but likely is not going to come back. So you, I think that's one where you could argue that the Giants could have used their financial might to just say, hey, this guy's a really good fit. We like him. He likes us. He's pitched great for us. Let's just keep him around for a while. And you'd, you'd have one less question to, to answer this season. You know, they signed Anthony DiSclefani. I think they're still hoping to get something out of him. But obviously, that didn't work out this last year. That could have been Kevin Gosman's spot. Hmm. And I think that's a fair criticism. Otherwise, I I just, if you look at the actual roster and what moves they had to make, I think last year it made sense for them to play it the way that they did. And it's hard to argue with, I mean, Jock Peterson was a more productive free agent than almost anybody else they could assign at a much bigger number. Most of their free agent decisions these last three years have been excellent ones. I mean, Jacob Junis, Alex Wood from that level up to, Gosman initially, Rodon, Jock Peterson. Those have been good decisions, yeah. almost all of them. Uh, you know, Tommy Lastella hasn't exactly worked, but most of the other ones have. Um, so I, I don't criticize them, but I think at the same time, it's fair for you to say and everybody to say, look, you have a financial advantage. If you want to get where you want to go, ultimately, you got to use it. Do you think there is some ownership pressure on Farhan Zaidi to, to, to get a player or two that they not just market? And I don't want to just say it's smart because I've criticized them for maybe overdoing the, the Panda stuff and the giraffe stuff and all these other things. But for a player that you could plop in the middle of the lineup and, and Farhan indicated to me on my podcast during the season that, you know, they do want to get players who are set in the lineup. But they kind of seem to wander a little away from that at the end of the season, frankly. Uh, and do you you know the ownership really well? Do you think and not they're not going to force anything, but do you think there's something? Hey, can you get a couple guys here that we know are going to be in the lineup that you can bank around and you're not platooning every uh, every single game, every third in, third at bat? Is there some kind of tacit pressure on the Giants management to go a little bit more in that direction? You think? I actually don't think there is. I'm Giants fans are probably going to be mad to hear me say that. I I don't believe that they are putting pressure on Farhan to do anything 
based on ticket sales or marketing or fan appeal. I think they're fully entrusting him to build the best team he can build. And I think he's got pretty much free reign to 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 make those decisions the way he sees fit. I I I don't believe there is pressure coming in that direction in that way. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, and I get what you're saying. And, and yeah, you hire Farhan Zaidi, you don't try to make him into Brian Sabian or whatever, right? That's, I totally understand that and believe that Zaidi's a really sharp guy. And last season was, was large proof of that. But maybe just in the aesthetic value of being able to fill the stands, having an energy there that was not there last season. And again, if you're a bad team, there's not going to be energy there. But if you see, a star there. I mean, we all know Aaron Judge. I yeah, this none of this is about Aaron Judge. They're going to go after Jim, Aaron Judge. We'll we'll see what happens there. But Dave, just just the sense of like, give me somebody that that I believe and I'm going to wait for and can change a game and can win a game when the platoons are not working out. That you don't you don't sense that at all. I guess is what you're saying. I don't. Uh, what I do sense is the Giants pivoting internally. Not pivoting. That maybe that's the wrong word, but. I do think there's been a realization that what worked for them in 2020 and especially in 2021, but it really started in 2020, uh, this incredible mix and match roster uh, is harder to pull off right now. I don't know whether something has changed, whether teams have become better. I do think an underlying story of this season was teams handled the Giants mix and match approach a lot better. Mm-hmm. And maybe even the permanent DH actually hurt the Giants in that way. Whereas when everybody had to swap out the pitcher at some point, when there was a move that had to be made, the fact that the Giants had a deeper group of platoon. Double switch. Total, yeah, the double yeah, switch. Yeah. It, it became a big advantage for the Giants. It basically went away this year because you don't have to make that move once or twice a game, every game. Um but if you look around the sport right now, the teams that are thriving the most do have those anchor players in their lineup, and it's not a coincidence. And I think the Giants know that, and I think they want that. But I just don't think that's coming from a place of either watchability or ticket sales. I don't. I think Farhan knows that they need a little more stability in the lineup, but I don't think that's because the ownership is telling him th- that they have to have that. I don't know that you did any Yankees games this season. You probably did. Uh, and again, you are around the league a lot more than a lot of the rest of us. Is there a solid, solid chance that the Giants can sign Aaron Judge? Just that idea of it. Do you, when you think of it, it's hard for me to think of the Yankees ever losing someone who set the league record for home runs. That's just, they're the Yankees. They have the checkbook. Do you think there is something beyond where the Giants have some sort of thought that they might be able to get Aaron Judge? My sense is that the only way that the Yankees allow him to, I mean, I really do have a hard time ever believing that the Yankees could let him go. If money is the number one factor, I just think the Yankees, there's so much pressure on them. They've won a lot of games. It hasn't been a great few years for them otherwise. There's a lot of reasons why their fans have been unhappy the last few years. And Aaron Judge has come along and been the one thing that their fans want to watch, are into, enthusiastic about. He's so big in New York. It's just hard for me to see them letting him go. I guess the one thing is I've heard there's some underlying tension between Judge and that franchise. And that, you know, I don't know whether it all stems from the fact that they were really hard and fast with their number that they offered him before this season and stuck to it and really weren't negotiating, basically here, take it or leave it. 
and whether that's the one thing that rubbed him the wrong way. That's where I could see Judge thinking, I'm going to be a takes a lot of guts as a player to do this. And most players, frankly, don't do it. Most players let the agent dictate and the agent just gets the highest dollar figure. But if it's not about being outbid, because I think the Yankees are going to come in and trump any offer. I, I do. But if it's not about that, if Judge just says, I want to go somewhere else because I feel like they did me wrong, then I think the Giants are a very viable option for him. But I think that has to happen because I just have a, there's going to be, you think the Giants are under pressure to make some changes. I mean, the pressure on the Yankees to keep that guy around is enormous. Yeah. It could, I think it could just be Aaron Judge grew up, you know, rooting for the Giants. Not doesn't mean that's what he's going to do, but he could just say, okay, or his agent could say, here's the number the Giants have to offer me and I will sign it. And it's going to be a really high number. And that's it. We're not going to take it back and forth. I, I, I think that's a realistic scenario. And I think the Yankees would be willing to probably go over that. But if he says to the Giants what you're proposing, hey, this is the number and I don't care what they offer. I'm coming to you. Uh, I think that 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 would be the scenario where it could actually happen. Do I think it's likely? I don't think it's likely. <laughs> I think if you're betting on a player leaving money on the table, you're losing that bet almost every single time. There are yep. very few examples in the history of free agency where a player takes a lower offer. I mean, you know, I like Farhan and have dealt with him back when he was ace. I'm sure I know you do and you respect him, but is he under some pressure? They, do the Giants got to win this season? Uh, I mean, I think if you're in that job, you're under big pressure no matter what, uh, right from day one. But I don't sense that there's unrest at the job that he's done. I think he's done a fantastic job. I, I do. Uh, and I think the ownership agrees with that. Giants were not in a great place when he took over. And the fact that he quickly got them to the point where they, where a season like last year was even possible was was borderline miraculous. This year did not go nearly as well as everybody hoped. But I think that the decision making and the process that led to 107 stayed in place. Um, and I think it's really hard to blame Farhan for wanting to give that team, mostly the same team, a chance to do it again. And they just fell flat on their face in those middle months of the season and for whatever reason. But I don't think that means that he's under pressure to win right now. I don't. And who are you going to get who's better than him? I mean, that's always the practical. Like you're great. Not, you know, always a good question. Mostly it comes up with coaching. Uh, but in this case, uh, I think the answer would almost certainly be nobody. You almost could be 100% certain that if you decided if this year doesn't go well, we need a new voice, that your chances of finding somebody smarter and better are very, very small. And I look, I think he's putting a huge amount of pressure on himself. I, I hope that answer doesn't convey the idea that like, oh, the Giants are content to go 81 and 81. No. They are a restless group. They are very unhappy in inside about how this year went. He's unhappy. Gabe Kapler was really unhappy. Uh, I mean, everybody had bigger expectations, even if you knew they weren't going to win 107. This year was a big time disappointment for them. So I don't want the fact that I don't think his job is at stake doesn't mean that they're not feeling a lot of urgency to be a better team. And it's complicated. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times Gabe told me, even just he and I chatting uh, late in this year, like, 
And, and the point basically that he was making was, we cannot run this back again. This, you know, this did not work. We all know it didn't work. And this team has to look different. That's a massive challenge right now. Cause if you, if you pull up the roster, just look at it. It's looking a lot like the same roster for next year. There are a lot of players who are sort of fixed in place. Um, and so that maneuverability is not nearly there the way that you might expect if you're going to say, hey, we got to do something different. I, you know, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. You do work with these guys, your team, but you do have the vet. I'm saying I don't, need, I don't need to keep Brandon Crawford at shortstop, even if he's making 18. I don't need to bring back Brandon Bell. I don't need to bring back Ivan Longoria. I don't need to do any of those things. Do you think despite the money that some of these options and all these other things are involved, they can just say, even if they're on the team, they're not starting. Like whoever, I'm, I'm not trying, trying to pin you on anyone. Let's just say generally, can they go, all right, you know what? This is what we've got invested. We're still going to replace them. I don't know. I, I think it's tricky with a guy like Crawford where, you, you know, it, it's of course they can say that. And, you know, there are all these really excellent shortstops who are available in free agency, t- players who would change the dynamic on the Giants team. But if Crawford is just sitting there and not starting, is that a is that tenable over a full season? I don't know. Just sort of the the team psychology. Yeah, no question. The incredibly popular, incredibly stuff. popular player. And it's very easy for me to be cavalier about it. But I think that's like you can't the part of this is not just saying that's what we are. That's we're, we're set there. It doesn't matter what he does. He's really he's a good guy. You can't I just don't think you can do that. And we'll see. I don't think that's exactly what, you know, Farhan Zahidi plans to do. But it is to me to me, that's where they are. Like you just can't just say that's our good guy. That's how we're going to do it. And, yeah. and, and, and we'll see how that goes. I agree. Out. And I think, you know, if you're looking at places on the roster where you might be able to actually bring in some players, I mean, those are some spots where you're thinking, yeah, we might be able yeah. to. Carlos, Carlos Correa, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we went to Minnesota for that weekend, it was a weekend where the Giants were playing so bad and. Uh, you know, football was ramping up and people probably didn't even watch those games. The Giants were just that was that was probably the point of the year where the Giants were most unwatchable. That weekend was just a disaster. But I walked out of that ballpark that weekend thinking, well, there, there was zero question who the best player on the mm-hmm. field was. Zero question. It stood out just as bright as day. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of days where Trey Turner looked like the best player on the field on those games the Giants were losing to the Dodgers. Um, and Dansby Swanson hit a bunch of home runs head to head against the <laughs> Giants again this year. I mean, those are all good players. And the question would be, OK, you're interested. The player's interested. Uh, you know, do you have to say goodbye to Brandon Crawford? Is that okay with everybody? I don't, I just, it might, I mean, it's just complicated with the guy who's as great as Crawford has been as beloved as he is, who's done so much for your organization. The giants do care about doing right by their players. And he is signed for another year. And that's tricky. And did you do any more? You did the uh, Mariners, uh, Blue Jays. Are you doing any more playoffs? What, what's, uh, what else is on the Dave Fleming schedule coming up? Yeah, I'm going back to football this weekend. So college football, no more playoffs until it hasn't been officially decided, I guess. But MLB asked me to do the World Series for the 
international feed. There you go. If you're going to be in in London, you might be able to 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 watch me <laughs> for the World Series. So I'm going to go back and do the World Series, uh, and uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But no baseball until then. Just your sense of the postseason. I mean, we just had the wild card games. We saw all the road teams uh, playing. Is there something going on here? Is there something a little bit lower scoring games, but maybe not the ones that you had, except for the first game? Uh, a feel for what the mood of this postseason is going to be? I just think, you know, starting pitching in this era of baseball has been de-emphasized so incredibly during the regular season. I mean, from the time where you and I were growing up watching the games where the starting pitcher was sort of the center of everything in this sport, uh, it's been so de-emphasized in the regular season. It is very, very obvious that starting pitching in the playoffs is a whole different thing. And the fact that Scherzer couldn't pitch the way he usually does cost them that series. The fact that you Darvish and Joe Musgrove pitched as great as they did, won the Padres that series. You mentioned the one that I had, Luis Castillo was, mm, he was incredible. absolutely incredible, incredible, and won him a game by himself, basically. And so I guess, to me, the lesson from even just this initial wildcard round is, you can say all you want about starting pitching in the game for the 162 and innings are down and bullpenning and all that. When you get to these short series, the team that has the better starting pitching that actually performs in the short series almost always wins. And gosh, if I were building a team, I'd really be thinking hard about that because, and that's where Carlos Rodon, I, I was, I could not believe that nobody made the Giants an offer that was good enough for them to accept at the deadline. Because who do you want in a playoff game more than that guy with that stuff? Not many. The list is really short. I, you don't think the Yankees would be feeling a whole lot better about the, the upcoming week with Rodon as opposed to Frankie Montas, who they traded for? Yep. It, it, was, it was just insane that the Phillies, the Yankees, the Cardinals didn't do what it took the Giants were willing to do it if they got a good offer and nobody gave them a good offer. And that I just that just feels like a massive mistake for for somebody. Another topic, I'm you know, I'm not gonna get in this recklessly, but the Giants broadcast booth, you know, we saw it just you know, definitely had a lot of different things going on. Uh, full honors to, you know, Mike Kruko, Dwayne Kuyper, John Miller. They're just, you know, well, certainly Dwayne and, and Mike are not traveling. I don't know, even at all or very little. Just what was that like? You're hopping from booth to booth. You had to get, I mean, is there going to be some sort of adjustment, you think, going into next season with this? I, I think we need a little help. We do. It, this was a chaotic year for all of us. And it's nobody's fault individually. But uh, when schedules change, because... Hey, somebody gets sick, gets COVID for a week. It was hard on us. Um, so we may need to add to our broadcast crew. To I think we have a great group of, you know, when Mike's not traveling, I thought both Hunter and Javi and Sean, all of them did an excellent job this year. They've all gotten better with more reps. Um, we probably need to commit to giving those guys more chances to do games just to get up to speed. This is a job where you got to do games to get better at it. Um, and then on the play-by-play -play side, we probably could use a little help just to, to take some of the pressure off my colleagues, especially. I mean, my schedule's kind of set ahead of time. I know when I'm going to be here and when I'm not going to be here. Uh, their schedule is a little more fluid. Um, the, the thing that was great about this year, though, was 
Mike was as enthusiastic as ever about yeah. doing games, sounded as good as ever. And if he's limited to home games because he doesn't and can't travel anymore, doesn't want to, can't travel anymore, then that's okay. What we get a Mike is a, a gift, uh, no matter how much it is. And I think the other great part about this year is both John and Dwayne had great years of feeling good. And I think Kite wants to do a little travel next year. Like when we go to Milwaukee, I think he wants to go back and see his family and he's, he's feeling good enough to do it. So I don't want to speak for those guys, but I do think we're going to be able to be a little more flexible with, with Kipe's travel schedule. The one thing that hopefully all of us agree on, you know, we've really tried to bend over backwards and see if we can't get Mike some more games and do those studio games. And who knows, maybe there's some different technology. I did a week of those studio games, uh, this year, and it was absolutely miserable, They're and rough. it just stunk. And yep. uh, that's just not a very good model for us going forward. So I, I wish it were better. I wish we could kind of pull that off a little better so that we could help Mike do as many games as possible. It's just I, for myself as a play-by-play guy, I couldn't do it. I, I just walked out of there going, I, I just I, I can't see the ball. I can't call a home run the way it needs to be called. I can't I, I just can't do the job the way it needs to be done. That is a limiting factor for us. All right, Dave. Uh, been coming. Been very nice with your time. I'll ask a version of the question, a different version. You're the first time I'm going to ask this version of the question, Dave Fleming. What's your favorite podcast? Now you don't have to name this one. Don't name this one, but because uh, I know it's your favorite. But other than this one, what's your favorite podcast? I do listen to your podcast because you have really. Great, yeah, I mean, you have. Not only do you have really good guests, but uh, th- those guests who are connected to Bay Area sports give you stuff I think they don't give other people. So I do enjoy listening to your podcast a lot. The one that uh, the one that I consistently listen to otherwise is Tony Kornheiser's podcast. I just, you know, I grew up there. I grew up reading Tony. He's got lots of D.C. area. It kind of keeps me connected to my hometown. He's got a regular set of guests that I really like. It's very well produced. Uh, so I like the Kornheiser podcast. My weird esoteric podcast. Do you ever listen to Tyler Cowan's podcast? No, I don't even know. I what can't it remember what it what it's called um but he's a economics professor at george mason and he's pretty conservative it's kind of out of my Mm. typical uh lane but he got he gets weird guests talking about weird topics (laughs) and for some reason i find it very endearing so those are my two other than your podcast that i listen to well appreciate the 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 kudos there but uh, i like it when you come up with something i never heard of so i never heard of that one i will look it up dave and uh I appreciate the conversation. As always, I will let you go. We could chat forever. uh, But uh, as always, great to have the conversation, Dave. We really could. There's a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fascinating offseason for the Giants. So have me back, uh, you know, maybe after the World Series when stuff starts to happen. Absolutely. You are. And we'll get on the golf course again. I think I fixed a little bit of my swing. Dave has played me when I've played okay. And he's played with me when I've been terrible. Dave is reliably really good. But uh, I'm feeling good about my swing these days. Not my putting, not my putting, but the swing feels pretty good. Well, let's get back out there. My game got put on ice the last month and a half. I just have been too busy now that my schedule eases up a little bit. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Dave Fleming, thanks so much. Show for today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.